good morning and welcome back to uh, Love Babs, Love Talk on Babs Rolls Ivy. This is the second hour. And sometimes, you know, we have guests in the second hour. I'm delighted uh, to have and to welcome uh, Nancy B. Uh, Allisberg. Uh, she's an attorney, a retired civil rights and disability rights lawyer with uh, 40 years of experience who currently serves on the boards of several disability rights organizations. And for almost 20 years, she served as the uh, managing attorney and legal director of the now abolished Office of Protection and Advocacy for Persons with Disabilities and its successor, Disability Rights uh, Connecticut. During her tenure at OPA, she represented, she represented uh, individuals with disabilities whose lives were placed in jeopardy because of uh, the biased attitudes of their caregivers who believed that a life with a disability was not worth living. She also represented a class of individuals with disabilities who attempted to interview to intervene in a lawsuit brought by medical professionals seeking a court ruling that the crimes of murder and manslaughter uh, did not include killing people who asked to be killed. Uh, that case was dismissed by the judge. As a result of her experiences, she has she had second thoughts about her previous support of medically assisted suicide. Welcome, uh, Nancy. Unmute yourself. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm well. Welcome, welcome. So Thank I went you. I went back and I listened to the conversation that Paul Bass had uh, on his show uh, with uh, Representative uh, Josh Elliott, and I I listened to the part specifically around legislation being introduced for medically assisted suicide. Um, and so uh, he was on uh, Josh Elliott, Representative Josh El Elliott was on Dateline New Haven. Um, and I guess it's an aid in dying uh, uh, legislation um, uh, that they are working on with some, you know, high powered folks. I mean, State Senator uh, uh, Gary Winfield and some other folks who are invested in this in this matter. So where do you stand with this? Tell me. I know you're part of the progressives against medically supervised suicide. Is that is that accurate to say? That That is correct. And I think it's important to understand how I got to this point, because as you said in your introduction, um, I originally supported the concept. Mm -hmm. um, but in my work, aside from the class action, well, it started with the class action that I was involved with, um, where I started to get to know people with severe and profound disabilities who throughout their life had been told that their life wasn't valuable. So for example, if an individual with a severe disability was hospitalized, they would frequently be asked by the providers in the hospital, well, you know, you really don't wanna continue this life, do you? Um, and they had to advocate very strongly for themselves that, yes, in fact, my life is valuable. Yes, in fact, I live a great life. And yes, in fact, I want to survive. Um, and that was my first introduction to why um, the disability community um, stands so strongly against medically assisted suicide. And I also want to say, I think it's important to call it medically assisted suicide or physician assisted suicide as opposed to aid in dying, because let's call it what it is. It really is asking people to commit suicide. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I then um, represented a young boy, a 14-year-old boy, um, who was in the custody of DCF. He developed a severe form of leukemia, but it was treatable. This young boy had a profound intellectual disability. And the hospital that was where he was hospitalized had gone to their ethics board and they decided that because of his intellectual disability, he might not be able to understand why chemotherapy didn't make him feel so great mm -hmm. and why he might have some side effects. And in fact, chemotherapy might even change and, and diminish some of his cognitive abilities. So they recommended that he not be treated for his leukemia. They could do that? <laughs> they, they tried to do that. Um, luckily, my office got involved and we told them that that was a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act um, and that every life um, is valuable whether you have a disability or not. Um, and they eventually decided that they would treat him. He went into remission. He recovered. He was then adopted and is going on and is living a great life. Wow. Right. Wow. Um, I also represented an older woman um, who also had a profound intellectual disability. Um, and one of the things that can happen with folks if they're not um, able to swallow well is they can get what's called aspiration pneumonias. And this woman had a history of aspiration pneumonias. Um, and at some point, her guardian who was her brother, decided that it wasn't worth treating the aspiration pneumonias anymore. So she was in a hospital with an aspiration pneumonia with an order to not feed, provide food or hydration or any treatment. Mm. We found out about this. Um, I had to go to court. And I got a probate court judge to order that she be treated. She um, survived this aspiration pneumonia, went to a group home where she lived a great life. So, 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 Attorney Allsberg, uh, I, I get the sense that um, th there might be people who want to have medically assisted suicide. Or, or do you think they don't know what they're asking for and they're being talked into it? And then I think, you know, and then I see another track that people who are suffering, you know, who have, I guess, terminal incurable things and they want some say in how their end of life is carried out, you know, like they would rather do it this way, that way, or, you know, so I feel like there's a lot of, there's a lot of variables in this thing. So, so when the so when the Connecticut legislator is entertaining this aid and dying legislation, how how should we look at this? How how what should we be thinking about? Well, again, we should be thinking about how lives are valued. Um, and yes, I totally understand that there are people who want to have control over how they die, and I respect that. The problem is 
that there are people who don't have the ability to communicate what their wishes are. Mm. Um, I'll sneak in my third story about a client who I represented, who was a woman in her 40s. She had a successful heart transplant, but unfortunately, secondary to the heart transplant, um, had a stroke. Um, and she lost the ability to talk, not the ability to communicate. She could write. Um, yet her guardians became her family and they didn't feel that she should live not being able to speak. She would write me notes and say, I want to live. Yet her guardians who did not value her life issued orders that she not be provided with any kind of therapy that would protect her heart, the anti-rejection drugs. Again, I had to go to court um, and the probate judge ordered that she receive this treatment because just because she couldn't speak didn't mean she couldn't um, communicate that she wanted to live. The problem is with a bill that the bills that keep getting presented to the legislature is it is impossible to know and to determine when somebody is is actually terminally ill. Mm. So, for example, even though these bills say, well, with if, if a doctor or two doctors determine that they have less than six months to live, that the physician-assisted suicide protocols can, can um, be enacted. Let's look at Jimmy Carter who we all love, and sadly, he just lost his wife. Jimmy Carter has been in hospice since last February. Mm -hmm. And hospice is a service that is reserved for people who have six months to live. It's almost a year now. So it is fallacious to think that the medical establishment can say, when somebody is is about to die mm -hmm. or when they're six months from dying. So it can hasten the death of people who, like Jimmy Carter, have an undetermined amount of time left to live. But um, Attorney Ellsberg, what if Jimmy Carter, President Carter, had had a, 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 a request that, you know what? I'd like to have a medically assisted suicide if it gets to be whatever, if if I hit this threshold or whatever that is. I, I And I don't think he has that. I'm just saying, what if he had that? And, and is he within his rights as a human being to make decisions about his end of care, his end of life care and what that should look like? I'm just trying to understand, like, it sounds like there could be room. There could be some room here for some legislation that can support every every avenue that we go down around this this matter i mean is that something as a lawyer can you see that can you talk about that can you well, sure, embrace I can talk, that i i can i can i can talk about that um and the problem is when you have a statute and you're getting the the state by virtue of having passed a law to embrace that that we support the end of life you're asking people to have to to, to make um, determinations 
based on things that they cannot determine. Mm -hmm. If somebody wishes to end their own life, that is clearly their choice. But when you bring other people into the mix, like other doctors who are then going to violate the Hippocratic Oath, which is first do no harm, but instead kill people, you have a problem. The other thing that we're particularly concerned about, and I'm very glad that you mentioned um, Representative Elliott's um, comments on the show, is that the bill that was an act that that was um, not passed last year had what were considered by the proponents of the bill to be all kinds of safeguards that the, the six months, you need two doctors, you need a medical professional, and you need a month of residence in the state. So the state doesn't become a- um, Outpost a for, for uh, medical suicides. <laughs> right, exactly. The problem is um, several things. First of all, those state residency requirements have been struck down uniformly by the courts. So for example, Vermont, which is the closest state to us that has a, a, an assisted suicide bill, Vermont's residency requirement was struck down. And a woman from Connecticut just recently went to Vermont and committed suicide there under Vermont's law. Um, and there are other states um, where the law has been struck down. Um, Representative Elliott said in his comments that, quote, almost no one, unquote, would qualify under the restricted version of the law. And then he goes on to say, but passing it would open the door to evaluation and expansion. So mm. the problem is the way I see it is that the law, the, the statute that they are proposing at this point has all of these restrictions. And they're talking about the restrictions when they advocate in favor of the law. But, and they do that because they want to get the bill passed. But their plan, from what I understand from what, what Representative Elliott says, is to go back and expand the bill. So the bill that we would be passing, if indeed it passed and it hasn't passed in, in the numerous times it's come up, is not what um, the proponents of medically assisted suicide are really looking for. They're looking at this bill with, with its restrictions as to get one foot in the door, mm -hmm. but then they wanna get one toe in the door. Then they wanna get the first foot in the door. Then they want to step through the door completely. So we don't know what they are actually looking for in terms of a bill. We have to look as an example at Canada. Canada has a bill, and I'm sorry, I don't remember what year it was passed, that originally had all of these um, restrictions and provisions. Year by year, the restrictions in Canada are being cut down. So now in Canada, you don't have to be dying within six months. If you claim that you have a mental illness, you can be eligible 
for what Canada calls um, medically assisted aid in dying or medically assisted suicide. So that's the so that's at the heart of the fear because my my producer um, uh, Harry Drills and I were just talking about that. And and when he said about the Canada piece, I just didn't believe it. I was like, True. that just sounds that just sounds too willy nilly. Like I'm depressed, so I can make the case to kill myself. No, yes. I, so I didn't believe it. I just was like, oh, no, I'm not believing that. But now that you said it, I was like. It's- It's absolutely true. They are talking about expanding the bill in Canada to children. So, 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 so attorney Ellsberg, is that the, is that, is that the heart of the fear that, that it would, the bill itself would become this unrecognizable march toward assisted suicide by anybody who walks in the door and says, you know what, you know, whatever, you know, instead of what it was intended to give people agency uh, over their end of life care? I think that's a very fair statement, but I think it's also two points that we have. One is exactly what you're saying. Um, It's just going to become such a broad concept um, that anybody can go in. And we know of, of people in Canada who were homeless and couldn't get housing and the provider said, well, you know, you could use this made law if you can't find housing. But the other thing that we also remain very concerned about um, is the devaluation of people's lives. So it, it, it it's a twofold concern. It's the expansion of the bill um, and it's it's the devaluation of, of people's lives. Well, 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 uh, uh, Attorney Ellsberg. Well, wouldn't the the religious folks push back on this and and talk about the sanctity of life and you know and and this whole idea of the nobility of, of suffering, right? Because that's very religious, right? That's that's very sort of whatever. But but won't the religious people push back on that since they are, you know, in in invested in the sanctity of life? Well, I can't speak for the religious people. Okay, I am not a religious person. Um, as you know, the organization I belong to is Progressives Against mm-hmm. Medically Assisted Suicide. So um, I really um, I don't have much in common with the people um, on the religion side who are against the bill. Um, and I don't believe there is such a thing as the um, the nobility of suffering. I think what is important is that the medical establishment um, spend a lot more time and money looking at palliative care. We don't want people to suffer. That is not what we are saying by being against these bills. We want to see palliative care get a lot more attention um, and that um, people get the kind of relief they need from from pain, I I don't believe anybody is is um, should have to suffer um, just because um, there is a religious um, a, a, a a religious calling to suffer. There is no such thing. But again, so how, so how do you push back, uh, uh, Attorney Ellsberg? Like, does the Progressives Against Medical Assisted Suicide do they do they call every legislator? Do they get in front of them? Do you give them examples? Do you cite cases? Do you look at precedents? Like, what do you what do you do to get these people to sort of 
Uh, and do you get in the room with them and say, you know what? Uh, uh, we might be for it if, or if you close this door, if you close this loop, like what, what's the, is there some middle ground here? I'm not sure we can say we might be for it if, because as I said, you look at Canada's example and Canada's example is so terrifying. Um, and since Representative Elliott has made it clear that this is just to open the door a little bit and he's looking to expand it, that I don't think there is a we'd be for it if. But yes, we do everything that you said. We meet with legislators. We testify at legislative hearings. Um, we speak to the press. We do shows like, like you're doing now. We want to help people understand um, that um, um, medically assisted suicide is not the answer to um, terminal illness. Um, we're concerned that there might be an effort to use medically assisted suicide for chronic illnesses, for any kind of a chronic illness. Again, this is because we have seen the expansion of the concept um, in Canada and in other states, and because we have Representative Elliott here, who has made it clear um, that he's looking for expansion. So I, I wouldn't say we'd be for it if. Um, we want to help people understand why there are other ways, particularly with palliative care, um, to address the question of, of terminal illness mm -hmm. and that helping people kill themselves is not the way to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, you know, until, until you come today, I, I, I thought I was squarely rooted in, well, people can make decisions about how they want to have end of life care. But now I'm thinking, now that you introduced, <laughs> you know, people with disabilities and all these other things that I never considered, now I have to sort of think about this a little differently because just because you have a, a, a disability or, or a challenge or some kind of physical challenge does not necessarily mean that you are not having a, a fruitful, productive life. I mean, we, exactly. we've, we've come a long way. We've seen people with wheelchairs and all kinds of things that help them um, uh, be integrated into society, into community. Um, and I, I don't know if we think about those people ever wanting to commit suicide because they are, you know, locked into a wheelchair or they can't speak or they can't. We've seen such great strides in allowing people to fully be part of society and community with 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 tools and support so this seems a little challenging to me to, <laughs> to, to... <laughs> and, and that's exactly right that's exactly why i had second thoughts um there's another organization in connecticut that works to prevent uh, medically assisted suicide and it's called second thoughts because we realize um that people can live full lives and just to help understand that when you talked about how people can be locked into a wheelchair, nobody's locked into a wheelchair. It's their method of, 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 of um, ambulation. Um, and um, that's how they get around. Um, and it's a great way to get around when you can't get around a, a different way. Um, so um, it's important. And, and that's why we do what we do, which is to talk to people like you and again, as I said, I had to come to terms with this myself as, as well, 
as I got to know my clients and I got to see how people live very fruitful lives. Um, and that it's it's a real presumption for us who are fortunate to not have at the moment to not have a disability because we're all only temporarily not disabled. Um, mm -hmm. As we age, all of us are going to have disabilities. Um, and to realize um, that um, our, our idea of what a valuable life is um, needs to be looked at through lots of different lenses. But, but, but then I can also hear and that uh, folks who, who with the with the the uh, time spent with their their medical providers, a doctor or somebody who says, "Well, you have this disease, and based on what we know of this disease, this is how this is going to go for you." We think, we believe, we have you know, we could back it up with some science. I mean, no one really knows, but we kind of right. know, right? So, well, what about those? Pe I mean, well, listen, Paul Bass tells this compelling story about a very dear friend of his uh, who went to hospice had a brain tumor, was on death's door and summoned folks like, you know what, this is the end. And then, and then, and then woke up one day, no more brain tumor yeah. Yeah. and, and went on to have a very productive life, a whole other kind of life. So that right there, I find kind of, if he would have, if he would have made a different decision faster, you know, then, then this could have changed. I mean, it would be a different story. That's right. How do you know? But but if people are confirmed, um, Attorney Osberg, if people confirm that they want they want this kind of legislation or they want the ability to make this kind of decision, how do we stand in the way of that? Because people can decide to end their lives on their own. That's very different from asking the medical establishment to help them do it. That's not what the medical establishment is is all about. Um, people can make decisions for themselves and hopefully they can act upon it themselves. But asking the medical establishment to, as you said, to predict like Paul's friend, it's asking the medical establishment to sort of act like a God in making a determination that this is going to be the course of your illness. We don't no, we just don't know. And to ask us to um, let us put doctors in the position of deciding when somebody is going to die um, is just cuts against everything that the medical establishment is supposed to be about. So, I, I mean, I imagine there are doctors who are for this, but I would also imagine there are way more doctors against this because of the Hippocratic oath first do no harm. Right. And this sounds like all kinds of harm, but, but, I, <laughs> but I, but I understand the human, that what people imagine this to be a, hum, a humane thing to do if someone is suffering, like we can all understand if somebody is suffering and they just want the suffering to stop. Well, it's also a fallacy to think that all deaths by medically assisted suicide are these wonderful, calm, peaceful, serene deaths. There have been lots of cases where it hasn't worked the way it's supposed to work and people end up dying an excruciating death. Again, that gets back to 
why the concept of palliative care is so important. Um, and we would be being dishonest um, in our position if we didn't say people need to have the ability to end their pain um, by methods short of killing themselves. Um, and so palliative care and improved palliative care is a huge part of what we talk about when we talk about um, not wanting to have Connecticut um, join the other states that have um, medically assisted suicide in their statutes. Hmm. I've, I mean, I, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting juxtaposition that we are a state that got rid of the death penalty and now we want to kill people. <laughs> and I, and I, you know, I, I think I have to have more conversations with, with some of my friends who are, who are behind this legislation to sort of hear what they have to say about it. Uh, because I, I just feel like it, I, I, maybe I'm missing something that's, that's uh, germane to this conversation that, but from where I sit, I, I I, I kind of like the notion of palliative care before I like the idea of assisted living. I, I mean, a, assistant su a medically uh, supervised uh, suicide. And that's only because I just had this conversation with you because now I feel very, very different. Well, good. I'm glad. I'm like, glad just that we me had out. this I feel conversation. Very, very different. Because I didn't, um, it didn't occur to me. So, so do you think that, um, you know, when that when that case that you said about the young the kid that had leukemia but was in foster care, I found that quite. I found the foster care piece more compelling, uh, because had he been a kid in a family, I, I don't think anybody would have suggested not treating him. That's probably true. Yeah, I mean that 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 that's certainly possibly true. So it gets only not just to people with disabilities, um, but for families who um don't have um sufficient funds or for the poor community. Oh boy. Um that's <laughs> right. If you think about what doctors are gonna do with, with their their yeah. Medicaid patients. And the indigent um, and the folks who might not have people concerned about where they are and if they're sick and sure. and I mean, am I way off base into thinking that that's the role we could go down? Like not at all. You're okay. not way. I, I told you about the the story in Canada where this homeless person was offered medically assisted suicide. He was not offered housing. He was offered medically assisted suicide. Mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So do you find that once people get some sense of what this really means, that they that they can make a better decision about whether or not they think this this is legislation that ought to have that should should be a part of of Connecticut's story? It's a very emotional um, issue. Um, and I don't dispute that there are people who have watched loved ones have painful deaths. Um, so it's 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 a very emotional, very emotional. But I think from what um, Senator Staffson um, said recently, that he doesn't see that the Judiciary Committee, which apparently has not changed over the last election, that they are going to really change their mind on this. Um, they've heard the stories. 
They understand what the issues are. And year after year after year, the bill doesn't make it out of committee. And that's because they seem to understand um, that there is too much at risk, that people's lives are at risk. Um, and that's the first responsibility that we all have is not to put people's lives at risk. Hmm. This has been a fascinating conversation. And I, I, I certainly want you to come back and talk more about this um, because I think it warrants more conversation. Like I think it I think it warrants uh, not just anecdotal, but I, I, I think it warrants uh, people having a real conscious seeking uh, component to this. Because I, 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 I have a fear that once you introduce a bill with all the caveats of doors opening further down the road, I don't know if you could stop it at some, you know, at some point mm -hmm. it, it becomes a mm -hmm. runaway train like yeah. we we say yes to all manner of things and yeah. i don't i don't think we want the canadian you know <laughs> model i don't cuz i, I can see that, all kinds of problems right, right and the canadian model did not start out where it is now hmm. but every year it gets more and more expansive hmm. thank you so much uh attorney alsberg for your 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 alsberg for your time this morning um, this has been a very uh, uh, illuminating conversation, to say the least. Uh, I've appreciated it greatly. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I'm I'm happy to speak about it. Um, it it's an important issue, and it's it, it's important because I I've seen the people who it affects, um, and um, I speak from a place of great passion. And and you and you and you weren't always against this, right? I was so not always against it. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for your time, and I I, I look forward to further discussions on this because uh, this is this is critical. I think. And, and thank you so much. Thank you, and thank you, and thank you, folks, for coordinating this conversation. I appreciate them greatly. I will. All right. Take good All care. Right. All right. You too. All right. Bye bye. Bye bye. Okay, Harry Droz. Uh, this was a Friday conversation for the books and uh, I'll be back on one of these days, Tuesday. I think I'm back on Tuesday because I'm not here on Monday because I, I got to go see my doctor and, uh, and you can best believe I won't be having a conversation about assisted medical suicide. <laughs> Harry, I, I, I just could not believe that whole Canada thing. When you said it, I just thought you were just being arbitrary. Like you was just, you was just like, just like interpreting it wrong. But I, that's a little scary to me, Harry, that. Like she said, they ex they're trying to expand it to minors now under the term mature minors. So mature minors will be able to make the decision because of a mental health issue. So, so we would we would rather people, we so are we not in the business of treating stuff now? Like we just like, all right, well, you know what? You got a toothache, go ahead and kill yourself. And I don't mean to be that, flip it right but it just okay. seems like not a lot of thought is going into this well you have to remember i mean this is also I mean, medical care is expensive well that's yeah that's so they prefer to cut your bill off early so that they're not paying for the rest of your life Oh, right, man, Harry, I can't. I, we have to go because I I can't with any more of this. <laughs>
I just, I can't walk into my weekend with this on my brain because it just, it makes me lose faith in humanity when I, when I hear this, this profit over, you know, over human life. Right. And, and I'm not suggesting that, I don't know what I'm suggesting here. I just about profit because this is a um, single payer system, right? So there's no one to pay. Right. It's just, they just don't want to pay. It's yeah, they just don't want to pay. Over the life of a of a of a person that they feel is gonna be suffering. Yeah. Will, like you're gonna yeah. die anyway. Like this is probably gonna kill you anyway. So you might as well just cut to the chase. Yeah. <laughs> Sa- save us 10 years or 15 years or whatever, or five years or a day or whatever it is. Yeah. So uh, okay. All, All right, right, Harry. This is a lot. <laughs> All yeah. right. All right, so today we brought you um, <laughs> the world um, stuff, and then assisted suicide. So this, the love, love that's has been brought to you by the letter D. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God! Right. Yes, we we've had a lot of talking today. This was this was a lot. This is a lot to think about. Yeah. Really, a lot. So well, anyway. Have a good weekend, and uh, I'll see you back. I'm, you know, I'm not here on Monday, so I'll see you back here on Tuesday. All right, I got, so, I got to go see my doctor. <laughs> so, have a good you. one. Listening to Love Bass Love Talk on WNHH LP 103.5 FM.